is if you're a straight white male cisgendered you're in a position where you actually can feel like you don't have the right to suffer or feel pain mm -hmm. that as well as all of those other sort of challenges in just being able to express who we are that's that's difficult that's really really hard I'm Emily Goff, a human connection coach, speaker, and mental health advocate with an insatiable sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using the power of stories to teach, learn, and grow. It's about allowing for room to grow, and this podcast focuses on three main pillars, human connection, personal growth, and freedom. We cover topics like relationships and cultivating genuine supportive connections with ourselves and others, speaking your truth, shattering personal barriers, radical self-acceptance, and courageously leaning into your skill sets. Whether it's a solo episode or bringing on highly curated guests with incredible stories, experiences, and expertise to share, we're leaning in and taking the entire idea of growth to the next level, all while still covering the uncomfortable topics that many of us like to avoid. There's always more room to grow. Let's do this. Welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. Emily here. And today's episode is so special. I have my dear friend, James Walsham, joining us again today. We had James back on episode 321 with my friend, Sarah Silverstein, and we were talking about uh, abortion and Roe versus Wade. And I wanted to bring James back on to talk about masculinity and what it means to be a man. And this was a really, really fascinating conversation. James and I ended up taking it in directions that we weren't necessarily planning or intending on. And it is, it was so much fun. It's, I think you're going to learn a ton from this one. And we get into uh, truly some, some answers that, that will really, I think, surprise you about what's difficult about being a man. And I've been actually posing that question uh, for market research to every man I come across lately. And the answer's are some of them are stunning um in in ways that that you really wouldn't expect and this is a conversation that I think that we need to be having more often. Um James and I are also breaking apart the old paradigms of masculinity and we're talking about the responsibility that all of us hold in this conversation. He's giving us some insights into bringing compassion and new understanding to conversations by intentionally and purposefully expanding your own worldviews, exploring sexuality and the shame around sex, including the expectations, pressures, and societal norms in what some might consider to be some more unconventional ways as well, and how to embark upon this healing journey and how both women and men can support other men in this in this journey that we're all on called life, really. Um, and James is a men's mental health advocate. He's a content creator. He's a life coach in training. And he has a beautiful focus on compassion. So for anyone who is familiar with me, my work, this podcast, you will know that uh, it's probably one of the reasons why we bond so well is over, over a shared mutual love of uh, compassion and everything to do with it. Um, James shares insights and experiences around his own mental health journey, and he aims to support other, notably men in their self-awareness and healing journeys. I really recommend connecting with James. He is very open. He is, this is just, this is a really, really beautiful conversation. And I know if you have any questions or anything like that, he would love to get to chat in the DMs. So all of his information on how to connect with him is listed in the show notes over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. And let's dive in. I am so excited to have my dear friend, James Walsh, joining us again today. 
James, I just adore you. As soon as we wrapped up the last one, I think, I think we had barely hit the end on the recording and I'm like, James, when can I have you back on? <laughs> so thank you for being here. <laughs> I can't wait. Like we've just been sat there before this has started saying like, we're both super pumped and like quite excited. Not really sure what's going to come through loads of topics that will, I think we're excited to yeah, get stuck into. And I'm just really grateful for, for you giving me the, yeah, the chance to sit here and talk to you because I love it. So thank you. Oh my gosh. No, thank you. I, I love this. This is just so much fun to get to do stuff like this with, with all of my guests, but you and I just always have such great conversations and I'm really excited to talk, dive into all kinds of things. So before we dive in too much, before I get too excited, uh, mm. <laughs> tell us a little bit about you and about who you, who you are, what you do, what you're about. Give us some details on who James is. Oh, great. I love this one. So I think I'm, I almost want to like refer to the the bio that I just sent you because you asked. <laughs> um, and I'm thinking, do I just read that out? Uh, no, I'll just, yeah. Being able to name, yeah. Being able to name and describe who we, like who I am. I don't know, but my name is James. Um, I live in Bournemouth, South coast of England. I run a social media page called The Compassionate Man. Uh, it used to be called The Honest Bloke. So it was all, it kind of started around, um, my journey around mental health and opening up and being honest about my feelings and the challenges that I'd had in, in navigating um, various mental health challenges uh, during certain periods of my life and wanting to inspire and encourage the conversation around mental health, particularly towards men. Um, as I uh, unfortunately lost a very, very good friend of mine to, to suicide, a guy called Harry back in 2018. And um you know, that became a real catalyst for me to kind of get involved in that broader conversation around men's mental health. So um, since then, uh, I started the social media page back in lockdown, and um, it's just facilitated so much uh, learning for myself, um, about myself, about these incredible conversations that we've had. I found so much, so much healing in that space. I have found so many wonderful connections and friendships people like you people like our dear friend sarah and many other incredible people um it's facilitated me having my own podcast building an online men's group um all sorts of wonderful great things that i'm just incredibly grateful for um and it's led me here and we're having this conversation so amazing i love it I love it. And you know, I, I love both of your Instagram handle names because they both describe you very well, both the honest bloke mm. and the compassionate man. You are all of those things. So, <laughs> I all to. right. So I am going to dive right in because we don't fuck around on here. Uh, James, what is, what's hard about being a man? What is hard about being a man? Um, that's a wonderful question. I think I think it's hard to at the moment answer questions like this when we live in such a like a binary world and we live in a system that rewards binary conversations where I just listened to an amazing clip by Africa Brooke who was on um, the Stephen Bartlett podcast and she mentioned how we live in a world where conversations are binary and you get rewarded for being on the binary so if you are left you are right and you know you're, you're correct and if you're in the right you're wrong and things like that so immediately when i'm asked about what's hard about being a man 
I immediately want to, I feel like I need to frame it and caveat it around, you know, everyone else has struggles, everyone else who, whether you identify in a particular gender or race or whatever, you know, there's that. And I think one of the main reasons why it's difficult as a man to answer these questions because, and, and talk about what we struggle with as men, is that if you view things in the binary, then almost in every demographic, if you'd like, so whether you're comparing men and women, I think arguably uh, it could be considered that, that women throughout history and, and through conversations of important topics, women have had it maybe harder. Um, you, when you look at race, understandably, people of color definitely have it harder. So as a white man, I'm, I'm on the uh, more fortuitous and more privileged side of that. And I absolutely agree and support that. Um, and on the, you know, sexual orientation, uh, you know, sexual orientation and gender, you know, I'm cisgendered, I'm, I, I identify as straight. So there are more oppressed people there. Um, and what happens there is when you view the world through those lenses, what then happens is in every one of those conversations, if you're a straight white male cisgendered, you're in a position where you actually can feel like you don't have the right to suffer or feel pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... I think that is where you've also then on top of that, you've got all of the societal pressures and norms on men who, which don't get me wrong, we're definitely breaking down, you know, the, the sort of archaic old fashioned narratives around having a stiff upper lip and not, not expressing yourself and, you know, just put up or shut up, don't talk about your feelings. But that as well as all of those other sort of challenges in just being able to express who we are, um, that's, that's difficult that's really, really hard. So, you know, that is, you know, like I say, it's also very important, again, to acknowledge our privileges and, and that's absolutely fine. Um, and I will always do that. But I think it's also then to be feel, to feel okay about showing up and expressing when you're not okay, expressing your challenges, expressing the, the various things that happen in your life that you struggle with. Um, that's something that I have found tremendous in learning how to do that um, and navigate those complicated, you know, um, caveats as I described. Um, it's been tremendously healing and, and, you know, a worthwhile venture for me to explore within myself. So beautiful. Yeah. It's, you know, what, what you've mentioned in terms of the almost feeling afraid to not, not necessarily afraid, but feeling like you don't have a right to express what's maybe hard about being a man because of all of these, these privileges that you have were born into all of these types mm -hmm. of things. I, it, it's a really common thread when I ask men this question about what's being, mm -hmm. uh, what's hard about being a man. And part of, part of what I've really started to step into is this goal of helping women to understand men a little bit better. And one of the things that actually came out of our last conversation, when we were talking about abortion was one of the, the women who listened to reach out to me, who's also a, a past client. She's lovely. And she said, you know, it actually having a male perspective on what is considered to be a women's issue and in such a compassionate, uh, well-rounded way that you brought to that conversation, she's like, I'd really like, like, actually like to learn more about giving men more grace. And this is what I'm sort of all about is, is, and what I know you are too, like finding the nuance, like bringing compassion into the conversation and taking a look at 
different situations and scenarios without the binary lens or as much as our own natural bias allows us mm. to do so, obviously, while acknowledging the, those biases that we have. And, and there's different ways to answer the question too. Like, you know, you could answer that question on, and, and I'd love to, to hear from you on this. Like if you were to, while acknowledging all of your privileges and, and all of those things, just talk about like, what is hard for you maybe as an individual, what is hard for maybe you, um, as a man among other men too, and mm. what is sort of hard with, for being a man in general, like yeah, what, sure. what do those things kind of look like for you? I think one of the biggest things that I've learned, uh, even more so this year, having been working in, the like men's workspace and, you know, the men's mental health conversations for, for a number of years now. Um, I recently had a, a real kind of, it was a difficult moment where I realized that having done so much work and having formed even some, some really great relationships and deeper connections with, with other men over the last couple of years, I had a realization that I still deeply, deeply distrust men myself. And the one of the main reasons that I think that is the case is because we still have such uh, fear in expressing like the real depths of who we are and the real complexities around our experiences and our understandings of ourselves. And, you know, first of all, the awareness around what we struggle with. I think that's something that we struggle, yeah, we, we do find difficult in, in, in just understanding what it is that we're struggling with. We then struggle with knowing how to articulate those things. Beyond that, we then struggle uh, finding safe spaces to share those. And that's where I think the challenges around men come up because we have been so, so deeply conditioned to fear so many parts of ourselves. Um, you know, one of the, a really simple example would be that, you know, in, in, our, in our worlds as men, we, for example, if you look at exploring sexuality, um, one of those would be that we, as men, as let's say as heterosexual, heterosexual men, uh, we would really glorify and sexualize, let's say, same-sex relationships in women. Um, you know, we really, you know, we, we might find that we are really turned on by, you know, girl-on-girl -girl porn or something like that. But the mere conversation around some form of um, platonic male contact, men hugging, men connecting skin to skin. Um, this, isn't, this is in a very non-sexual way, but the idea of that lights up men's nervous systems and sends them into fight or flight. And then the performance comes in, the performance and the performative like, oh, no way, bro. That's like absolutely fucking no chance. Like, would, ugh, you know, or uh, all of that sort of stuff. So we, we can't even begin to explore even platonic male friendships, let alone, you know, if we were to feel inclined or, or called towards exploring uh, beyond heterosexual, um, you know, intimacy, sex relationships. Um, that's, I mean, that's like a, that's like a prison. I mean, don't get me wrong, try something. And if you don't like it, that's great. Right. But 
we don't get that we don't have that and that is that is i mean it's it's awful um and obviously when we internalize all of that those struggles and we we really don't get to explore we don't have that freedom to to find out who we are um well it just it festers and it sits inside of us and we project that into so many other areas of our lives but ultimately it just comes down to not feeling safe within our own bodies and we don't feel safe within our own you know emotions and within our own hearts so and with because we don't know ourselves so um that's definitely as i mean i think i've just mishmashed and sort of rambled my way through a bunch of various topics there but th those i think speak to some stuff you know particularly some topics that i've um been exploring myself particularly around like male friendships particularly around um like sexual shame and things like that so yeah that's it. everything you just mentioned james was huge i took a ton of notes while you were talking because i almost okay let, let's let's almost like work backwards there's so many things that i that i want to go into here for well first of all the deep distrust of men was huge mm. that's huge because what's fascinating to me is that a lot of the things that you just mentioned are actually the things that women feel about men, like a deep mm. distrust of men and not necessarily feeling safe in their bodies around men, not necessarily mm. feeling safe emotionally around men. There are core issues here. And a lot of times I see, I, and I'm speaking very, very generally like broad statements here. I see a lot of fingers being pointed by women towards men going, fix this. Like mm -hmm. you, you are the problem. But I'm also going that old rule about when we point a finger at someone, there's three more pointing back at us. Who who's raising these men? Like we're playing a role in that too. Like at least 50%, if not more, but sometimes statistically speaking, based on, you know, single parent households and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and that, sure. that this is not a blame game. This is just a, and the, the idea that we all have a role to play here. We yeah. all have responsibilities to to bring to the table to address some of the root causes here talk to me yeah. a little bit more about about the sexual shame because you did a fantastic video i, I died laughing it's so funny i'll, I'll make sure to reference mm. it in the show notes about mm. shit men or shit at last year <laughs> yeah. and it is it so funny and the first one that you did because you made it a little series and mm. your editing skills were like fantastic, by the way, like just your, your comic timing was on point. So hilarious. I'll definitely reference it. And <laughs> you mentioned about, um, men being uncomfortable with giving each other compliments because it's mm. kind of like, it has some sort of homophobic roots to it. And I think mm. that's so true. Women will compliment each other on anything and everything. And mm. it's normal. And then men end up actually being, I will, I will remind my female clients who are in relationships with men, like make sure to remember to compliment your man. Like if you think he looks genuinely, like if you think he looks good, tell him because men do not get compliments the same way that, that women do. And that's just one part of it. So talk to me a little bit more about like the sexual shame and the, the platonic male friendships, because this is, this is significant. Mm. This is why so many men don't feel like they have a safe place to go and open up too yeah definitely um and just on what you said there about you know blaming um you know i think you and i have spoken about the difference between blame and understand um mm -hmm. you know when we seek to blame then we won't heal um and if we lo are looking to attribute yeah. blame on someone that is where the conversation will stop and you will see someone at fault and you will see someone as a victim whereas 
when you look to understand both sides, that allows you to then, well, remedy, um, heal. So, yeah. but um, no, on the, I mean, on the the kind of platonic stuff first, I mean, that video, yeah, it was actually two years ago I created that video. Um, was it two years? It oh one, my gosh. <laughs> it, was, it was one of the first things I created in like in lockdown and I created this new account and I was just having some fun. And I just thought about, uh, you know, in, in line with trying to, you know, start the conversation and create some, maybe some slightly, you know, some bit of satire and a bit of sarcasm, but in a, in a, in a jovial way to promote conversation around what are the things that men are almost laughingly bad at? Like, like why are men so shit at certain things? Um, and yeah, one of them was giving compliments to each other. And because I sat there and I reflected and I was like, actually, do you know what? When I see women for example um really like hyping each other up and talking about how beautiful they look or how incredible their hair looks or like their makeup is just on point or just the outfit is just outrageous darling and all of that sort of stuff right <laughs> i just sat there and i went like fuck that's cool why don't men do that and then i just played this scenario through in my head where i was like men don't even com like barely compliment each other on like I don't know like nice hat bro or like I like your shirt because there is such this it comes back to that like innate fear of it being perceived or seen in any way that could be remotely considered gay or just not like hyper alpha masculine all of these kind of for me quite quite harmful um archetypes of of, of manhood or masculinity and then I was like, it is, it's crazy. Number one, because we also need to address the, the uh, you know, the internalized homophobia that we have towards each other and, and towards our own gender. Uh, but two, like, because it's okay to be gay and it's okay to not know what that looks like or want to explore it and stuff like that. But, um, you know, the other part of it is that it doesn't have to mean that either. You know, like, and I say in that video, I was like, it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to stand next to your mate you know, in the, like the, the urinals and look across and compliment the guy's dick. Like great dick, my man. Like, oh, look at the cock. I believe you man. started Jesus. the hashtag nice dick, bro. Yeah. Nice dick, bro. Like, oh, that's, you know, you don't have to do that. Like we, we're not going that far. Like, again, it's just trying to like, jo like jovialize and trivialize and get us to sort of really start thinking about that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that that's that's something that that men require a massive amount of work on. Um, you know, I've I've been really quite fortunate to to also learn a lot from. Uh, you know, I follow a lot of um, I follow a lot of gay uh, or or non-binary um, kind of either influencers or content creators in the social media space because I just learn so much from them. Um, I still, you know, I I identify as straight. You know, I I I don't personally feel called towards uh sexual intimacy towards any other genders um or relationships with other genders but you know other than women um but i hugely celebrate if i see two guys kissing on the high street because i do it in the same way that i would if it was a man and a woman and they just look like they were in love uh it, it doesn't trigger me um and there have been times in the past a lot younger ages where it used to and i learned about it and i realized what it what, where it came from and i realized that it was just fear inside of me so you know there's there's that um on the more platonic side of things like yeah just um or sorry on, on the did i do platonic or did i do sexual first i can't remember where i went with this but 
Um, on the kind of sexual shame for me, I would say, like, I, I, I've done a lot of exploring of sexual shame this year. Again, not not so much in in terms of um, not so much in terms of exploring like sex or intimacy with other genders, but I I came out of a relationship, uh, a monogamous relationship, at the beginning of the year, and I remember coming out of that and really kind of recognizing and feeling a lot of shame had come up for me in that relationship um, around being attracted to other people in relationship, not knowing how to handle that, um, fantasies coming up and feeling ashamed of those and not feeling safe expressing those or, or comfortable, even yeah, just, just addressing them in, in any capacity. Um, and I realized that these were things that I had felt shame for for most of my adult life or most of my sexually active life. And I said, I don't know, right, maybe I need to kind of lean in and, and I need to explore these things. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've kind of done a little bit of that this year. You know, I went to my first sex party. I, uh, yeah, I joined like a sex, like a, like a sex positive community, like um, online. And I really explored that. I, I dated an escort for about three months, um, which was just an incredible experience because, you know, I sat there and I went, oh my God, like I could really judge this person, but I don't. And I'm really excited to learn about their life and how they show up and that, how they do what they do. And um, I just, I just lent all the way, the, like all the way in, pardon the pun. Um, but <laughs> I, <laughs> but those were just tremendous experiences for me. Um, and I realized that I was like, these are things that I've wanted to do for a long time. Uh, you know, I've been able to explore fantasies. Uh, I've been able to put myself in scenarios which were, I think one of the big things that comes up for shame in men around sex is that for, again, apologies for bringing this into a binary conversation, but on the women side of things, I think women are shamed for being sexual at all. Uh, women are not meant to be sexual. Women are, you know, according to these really horrible, harmful narratives. Um, women aren't sexual or are only there to procreate and all this horrible shit that you hear. Men on the other side are deemed to be sexual, like, I don't know, like just basically monkeys and we just want to fuck everything. And it's all end goal oriented. You know, we, we really just want to fuck and, and come and we don't really um, care much for, for the intimacy aspect. Or we're also then, I think in doing that, if we want to explore kinks or if we want to explore fantasies, it's almost like, oh, of course you do. You're a fucking bloke. You just want to fuck this and you just want to do that. And you want to do all the stuff you've seen in porn, right? Well, maybe, but that needs to be okay for us too. And if if you are, you know, obviously at the whole, what you said about, if you're pointing your finger at me and saying like, yeah, you're this and you're that, ultimately it's just internalized. There's three fingers pointing straight back at you and you're not comfortable expressing your own sexuality and, and exploring your own fantasies and kinks and all that sort of stuff. Um, but for me, that has been a wonderful, cause I, you know, I've drew, I've gone all the way back to where my sexual shame comes from and I've figured a lot of that out and I've been able to heal a lot of it, which has been amazing. So. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing so openly, James. I really, really appreciate that because I think, I think so many people benefit from these types of, of conversations, but there's still like, as much as we're breaking through the sexual shame narrative, there's still a, such a long way to go such a long way to go. And conversations like this are really helpful. So thank you for sharing so openly. 
there was a couple things. Um, I mean, multiple things, but um, that we'll, we'll get. Sorry, into. I do that. Um, I, I go. I go. No, on I love this. And then I give you too much, so no. I'll, I'll wind in. <laughs> are you kidding? No, 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 no. Don't don't rein it in because I love this. I take a bunch of notes, and then I mean, we may have to have you back on for part three, four, and five, but that's fine. <laughs> I have no problem with that. <laughs> so it. talk to me about there. One of the things was this whole idea that so many women have around, because you're exactly right. That the overall overarching, again, we're speaking in like very broad terms here. I'm not saying that all women or men or anybody does this, but in very broad terms, there is very much a stereotype of men just want sex. Men just want to fuck. Mm. They, they don't, um, they don't bring any emotions into it. They don't want, want real intimacy. And in my experience, that's bullshit. That's absolute Mm. bullshit. So many men are, are desperately craving that. And some men don't even actually realize that that's the void they're trying to fill. So they might be trying to fill it by just fucking and listen, anyone who wants to go out there and just fuck you, go do that. That's okay. There's there's nothing wrong Mm -hmm. with that at all. But I do think that there are a lot of people out there, particularly men who do actually crave that deeper emotional intimacy and they're, they're not getting it because there's such a a deep distrust of men and this, this divide that they're already being accused of not needing or wanting that before they ever even have a chance to develop a, a relationship with that. And that ties in a lot with the safety in expressing sexual fantasies too. Because that's a really difficult conversation for most people to have, because that's like, that's like burying your soul to somebody because you are risking such deep levels of the potential of such deep levels of being shamed. If, if somebody has a poor reaction to a sexual fantasy, that's, that's like most people's worst nightmare. And, and just that level of shame, like some relationships may never even come back from that. If, Mm. if one partner expresses to another, a sexual fantasy and it's taken incredibly poorly. And then that that's never truly repaired. That's difficult to come back from. So how, how do you suggest people can kind of go about this? So if we're speaking in, in heterosexual terms, and I always apologize for this because unfortunately that's just my, my only personal experience. I, this, mm-hmm. this whole podcast, I am very like all encompassing. It's just that I can only speak from my direct personal experience. And in that sense, like how can, how do you suggest people go about having those types of conversations? And in particular, how can women create a safe space for men to express those fantasies? Number one, acknowledge that we all have fantasies. And if you, in listening to this conversation and hearing you and I talk about this right now, if you hear that and you immediately start feeling, you know, fear or anxiety and things like that, that immediately says that you've got some some work to do in identifying and understanding your own sexuality. And that's okay. You know, it is scary. When these things trigger us and when these sort of fears and uh, anxieties arise within us, it's because we don't feel safe discussing them or we haven't felt safe to explore them or understand those parts of ourselves. That usually goes back to childhood, potentially early, you know, early exposure to sex, um, the lack of support in education from parents or, you know, however you learned about sex or didn't learn about sex. 
um you were probably you know you probably experienced being shamed for for sex uh, we, we all are shamed around masturbation you know as we're go going and, and learning that practice as, as adolescents um so we all carry it um and that's really important just to start and understand that um the second thing is to then sit there and say well okay how you know if you can then for example, begin to feel safer within yourself and understanding that and just knowing that we all have those. Uh, I would then sit there and, and look at creating a space, a safe space. And, and this, this concept of holding space is obviously one that we talk about quite a lot, but it is important to sit and discuss with your partner and say, I want to discuss our intimacy. I want to discuss our, uh, our sex lives. And I'd like to create a safe space to kind of discuss that in more depth without judgment so create that safe space and just set some parameters for that conversation the parameters are that there's no judgment uh, that if we begin to feel unsafe in that conversation we can have a safe word and we can let that person know um, and just say like this is this is too triggering for me um, and just remember that none of it is personal at no point does anyone's fantasy mean that the other person is uh, not enough or unworthy or yeah that, that they're not good enough um so i think that those sorts of things are really really important is to set set the pace and set the tone for that conversation um and you know allow yourselves to say that yeah allow yourselves you know the right to leave that conversation if it becomes too much um i think it is always difficult if you're in a relationship um and you for example if you started off um yeah, if you've never had that conversation, um, it can, it's always going to feel scary and it's always going to feel really, really challenging. Um, but, you know, we all crave intimacy. We all crave connection and we can crave that in, in a multitude of, of, of different ways. And, and that can come through by way of sexual fantasy or sexual kink. And um, we all have them. And it's, it's, you know, when you when you actually feel safe exploring them with someone, that actually becomes a deeper level of intimacy and connection and safety that again reinforces and deepens the relationship so yeah i mean it's as i say it's tough to get there but you know it's about trust and surrendering to yeah just being seen and being vulnerable yeah and ultimately that's that is at the root of connection because and th this is the part that and listen, I, I have too, obviously, like we, we've all struggled with this part about the balance between wanting to be seen so desperately yeah. and the vulnerability in actually being seen. Because yeah. when, when we open the door to allow ourselves to be seen, that's, that's the moment where we're like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know how they're going to receive this. Or it can almost just feel too vulnerable. Like you feel you feel you could have seen someone, <laughs> you could have had someone see you naked a thousand times, but there's a new level of, of that when they really see you like see into you mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, this is terrifying. This is, this is really scary sometimes, but it also, that's where connection is born. Yeah, it really you is. You can't forge those really beautiful connections without that piece. Yeah. Yeah. It's so significant. Um, is there, is there anything else around sexual shame before we move on a little bit? Cause I want to talk more about masculinity. Is there anything else about sexual shame that you kind of want to dig into around like norms, experiences, uh, 
Um, no, I would say other than the fact that um, sex parties are pretty fucking cool. Um, and I really enjoyed my experience there. <laughs> tell us so. about that, because for anyone who doesn't know about that, tell us about that. So um, I, yeah, so it was it was through uh, a company who, uh, quite a big company who are based all over the world, but mainly based in the UK, um, who one of the great things that they do is they they actually so it's an online community it's almost like a dating like a, an online dating service and a community but they also then organize um events um usually hosted in and around london um and one of the great things about this particular company is um that the parties that they host are designed to facilitate and support and keep safe anyone who doesn't identify as a cisgendered male. What is mostly prioritized is the sexual liberation, pleasure and safety of any women or anyone who is either identifies as a different gender. Um, essentially, straight cisgendered men are considered guests and they are there at the privilege of and the invitation of someone else. For the majority of their parties and i really love that because it keeps yeah the women and non-binary people safe so it ultimately just creates a level of respect a level of understanding um, things like if you go to one of these parties um let's say for example the person that i went with she left then i wouldn't be allowed to be left there on my own so mm, you know you have to be there as a guest and almost supervised um there are some singles events which you don't have to but most of the parties are of the, that dynamic and i really liked it because it keeps things balanced it keeps things respectful um and um, i ended up going to one of the biggest parties that they have all year and around 700 people went so uh it was believe it or not i, I thought i'd be really overwhelmed i loved it i was really comfortable um i had a great a great time um and yeah i i definitely got to do some things that i had never done before so <laughs> <laughs> it was uh it was it was pretty cool um and you know i came out of that because i'd really gone into that experience consciously and chosen to do it for reasons other than just being like an unconscious sex driven maniac and just wanting to do loads of like you know um like lusty like crazy uh, like sexual fantasies like I really lent into that and decided to do that because I wanted to explore something and I came out of it feeling like holy shit that was great that was really you know I got a lot of what I wanted out of that experience what um, did you get out of it the most um or what so or what changed exhibition. for you yeah too. so I'm an exhibitionist I really enjoyed yeah. being in and around other people um I enjoyed learn so so ultimately I, I, I enjoyed learning about my uh kind of sexual profile and my sexual like what turns me on yep yeah and being exposed to different scenarios that i just have never been before in my life um i enjoyed seeing so many people because it's actually an incredibly supportive incredibly safe incredibly respectful um community and group of people i think it's maybe a misconception that you think everyone's just quite sexually deviant and just horny and just everyone wants to fuck everyone um, but it's quite the opposite. I think people and women in particular are, are almost more choosy and more in their power sexually. And if you are, as a man, if you're someone who maybe is is threatened by that, 
those environments will eat you alive. You will be an insecure, um, you know, small fish in a very big pond and you just won't want to be there. It will overwhelm you. Um, and I think for years, that's the reason I never went to something like that because the idea of it overwhelmed me and it made me feel really anxious. But this time it wasn't, it was really, really just again, liberating, exciting. Um, and yeah, would, would go again. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think this is really powerful for people to be able to hear this side of it because I have so many friends, um, in the different types of sexual communities that do a lot of this type of thing. And there's such stigmas attached to it. And, and it is by far, it is far safer and more communicative than sex in the real world, <laughs> like sex, yep. not in the real world, but you know what I mean? Like in sort of like everyday average oh, sexual consent. interactions. People understand yeah. consent in these, in these communities. People yes. speak up and, and speak their truth. And, you know, if someone comes up to you and says, do you, do you want to play? Or do you, are you interested in playing in some capacity? And they say, no, they go, absolutely no problem at all. That's no problem. Yes. That's fine. Um, and there's no pushing, there's no relentlessness. There's no, um, you know, you there's no ignoring consent or mm-hmm. the, you hear the word. No, you're like, okay. Yes. No it is far safer because that is, that is so deeply prioritized and there is no tolerance for anything less than that. So, mm. yeah, I, I think it's really important for people to hear a, about this side of things. And we haven't actually talked about this much on the podcast before. And I think it's really powerful for people, for people to be able to hear about that experience and, and having a different type of experience and the, the things that you don't know, you know, this is how we build compassion and everything else is by learning to understand something that we don't necessarily have any personal experience with. And that's the most powerful part of it. Mm -hmm. 100%. That's literally what I did. And and I will continue to do things of of maybe not that nature or maybe that nature, but that whole attitude and approach towards exploring those things is just, again, tremendous. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I want to be respectful of your time. Do you have another like 10 ish minutes, 10, 15. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, talk to me a little bit about masculinity because Mm -hmm. like, how, how do you define masculinity and compared to maybe how you see masculinity defined out in the world in general and what sort of a man's responsibility is and what it is to show up as a man in the world right now, like, what does it mean to be a real man? You know, this is one of the conversations that I'm having with a lot of people right now. And it's interesting to me, the dichotomies that often come up in terms of like what the idea is of a real man. And then what the actual reality is of, of a so-called real man. Yeah. Um, I, again, I, I'll refer to a, a, just a soundbite from a podcast that I've heard recently. I can't even remember who it was, but heard this beautiful beautiful conversation and whoever it was and I would love to be able to quote them and credit them but they mentioned that masculinity the role of masculinity now in the modern world is to actually make everyone feel safe to be themselves oh I love that definition including ourselves Mm -hmm. and you know that for me is is it because within that you have so much like you know historically men are you know men are in the positions of power 
um, politically, men are dominant. Physically, men are, you know, we, we have power, we have strength, we have um, all of these things. And we have, with those, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to utilize and use those in ways that are healing rather than dominating. You know, this, this kind of like zero sum approach that we all have to life where if I win, you lose. Um, it is wrong and ultimately keeps us confined and keeps us segregated and keeps us in these binary conversations that we've referred to throughout throughout this this you know this chat. And for me, it's actually recognizing that we can all succeed. We can all heal. We can all support each other. Um, but I think that within the, within men's roles within that, you know, listen to as I've said before, listen to conversations that women are having around abortion, or listen to conversations that women are having around. Let, understand your partner's menstrual cycle, for God's sake. Um, you know, listen to conversations about racism if you're white. You know, that was one of those amazing, amazing things that I, you know, was confronted with a couple of years ago when the George Floyd situation happened. I was suddenly just, I mean, once I got over that, you know, understandable guilt of what the fuck have I been doing and not listening to these conversations forever. Um, you know, I've continued to follow, and I've continued to follow a number of powerful voices and uh, and uh, and content creators around those sorts of topics, and learn more and more. Um, compassion is bottomless. There is no limit to compassion, and if you really you understand that, and if you really, again, kind of begin to curate that as your approach and perspective on life, then. God, you're in for a great time because what you're going to do is you're going to start connecting with some incredible, incredible people that don't look like you, sound like you, feel like you, but you recognize that they are, they are all of those things because beyond the labels, beyond the binary conversations, beyond the demographics, like Jesus, we are all the same, but men have just a, a tremendous responsibility to facilitate that healing for us, for everyone. I really love what stood out to me the most out of, out of that and all of it was beautiful, but the compassion, compassion is bottomless mm. because compassion is not, it's not a finite resource. You mm. know, it, it's, we, we, the more you give it, the more it opens up a pool for you to continue to dive into and the healing that can be found through that. And learning to relate to others and taking different perspectives and opening yourself to not just hear someone else's experience, but to actually listen to someone else's experience in the world and, and the various factors that affect them that might not affect you. The, the mm -hmm. ripple effect that, that that ability creates within your own life and with your own sense of, of healing and how you're able to show up with others is not only so powerful on both an individual and a collective level, but yeah. if we talk about this from a romantic standpoint, that's incredibly attractive too. That, that shouldn't, that, that's not the goal with this, but as, as just as like a side effect, the it also happens, yeah. yeah, it also happens to be incredibly attractive and 
if, if, if somebody, I guess needs, but that, that can't be the motivation. I was going to say, I mean, I guess if you want to make that, the motivation is like the carrot dangling under your nose, but that's <laughs> not that that can't be sort of the intrinsic factor that gets you there. But there's, there's so much of this work. When we talk about doing the work, I think that because it's such sort of an abstract concept, a lot of people struggle with what that even means. I did an entire podcast episode on once on what that actually means, but I think men in particular really struggle with that because it's not, it's not super logical. There isn't like a, okay, here's step a, and then you go to step B. And when you're done that go to C, D and E and, yeah. and that makes it more difficult for men to know where to start. So mm-hmm. like when you're speaking to, to men and for anyone listening to this podcast, if somebody's going, okay, I, I want to deal with some of my sexual shame. I want to, um, be able to compliment a man without feeling homophobic. And yet, I mean, that is a separate, that's an issue in and of itself, obviously the, the internalized homophobia. Um, what are the ways that, that, that someone can actually start to do this work? Where, where did they start? I think that social media is a great, great platform because it's silent. You can you can silently engage privately without anyone knowing. You could, if you really wanted to, you could create a, you know, a blank Instagram account that has no way of identifying who you are, and you can start following whoever the fuck you want to follow. So you can really, really safely explore the conversations, the areas of, you know, that you feel called to explore. Um, and you can do it in, you know, you can do it privately. You can do it in your own time. You can do it. You know, there are podcasts, there are reels, there are Instagram stories. There are just, you know, the people who are creating all of this content, um, the education and the information is just out there and it's abundant and it is so, so easy to access. I think you just have to sit there and ask yourself, where do I feel called to start? And just start um, becoming aware of your triggers and the things that you may be quick to reject or discredit or laugh at or, um, you know, trivialize or just outright, yeah, reject. Um, We all actually deep down know if we are rejecting things through fear or whether because we truly just don't agree with them. And it's always the fear, um, you know, especially around these sorts of topics. So yeah, social media is just a gift. Um, and if you currently, yeah, and, and also check in with who you're currently following, check in with what, what sort of content you are currently consuming. Um, you know, we are often very passively consuming and digesting such like it's like bubblegum for the brain it's just shit it's not serving us it's not educating us it's not healing us but we are as we all are phones are designed to make us addicted to them um our attention is a currency and these things are like weaponized to like just harvest them so become conscious of what you're consuming and unfollow um re realign your you know the people and pages that you follow with where you want to develop and grow Beautiful. And actually maybe after, or if you can think of any uh, off the top of your head, um, let us know, but I can always connect with you after the fact too, to 
if you have any accounts that you would suggest that people follow, I know you and I both adore Brandon Kyle Goodman. He is one of my favorite humans on the internet. I just, mm -hmm. <laughs> they are incredible. They're just I'm, incredible. I'm here for Messy Mondays. Oh, uh, Messy Monday oh. patrons right here. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, just an incredible, incredible human being. Um, you know, black, queer, incredible educator on sex, incredible educator around race. Um, Emmanuel Acho, we just talked about Emmanuel Acho, incredible. Love him too, um, yeah. Does the uncomfortable conversations with the black men. Mm -hmm. um, amazing conversations about race there. Um, God, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come up with, with some more. And we'll put yeah, them send some over. There are just, there's so many around. Um, uh, Alok, I can't remember Alok's um, surname, but they are one of the absolute powerhouses in the non-binary conversation. Um, I can't remember their surname, but yeah, I'll, I'll get their, their stuff and, and okay. share them because, um, gee, yeah, wow. Just listening to, to the conversations that I had, um, I think they were on the, uh, is it the Man Enough podcast with Justin Baldoni? One of the most unbelievable conversations I've ever heard. So definitely go and check that out as well. Oh, and I just subscribed to that podcast and I haven't started listening to it yet. So I'll have to check mm -hmm. out that episode. Okay. Justin's great as well. Yeah. He's okay. doing some great work. And I love Liz Plank too. She's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's awesome. Okay. And one more question I have for you is sort of around going back to what we talked about at the very beginning, the deep distrust that men have amongst each other. Hmm. What are some of the ways that you think that can start to be broken down? Men's circles, men's communities, um, spaces, uh, whether they be online or in person, um, and yeah, stepping into those, you know, jump into an online men's circle, look for a community, um, you know, that, that runs something like that. There's so many that run free circles um, and learn what it's like to sit in a space with men who just talk and share. Um, there is, that is one of the most powerful medicines um, just available to men, it just, just full stop. Um, and as you begin to spend more time, more time in those sorts of um, environments, what you'll then learn, if you, you know, if you're mindful and aware of what comes up for you in those situations, is again, you with a, with a, an element of curiosity and in uh, in leaning into that discomfort, hopefully you'll then create more connections with like-minded men that allow you to go deeper and form greater friendships. I've got, you know, a few, but. I had an amazing experience a few months ago with a really, really good friend of mine, Jamie, who we went on a, a retreat to Ibiza together. And that week we spent, you know, in, in amongst 20 people, but our friendship completely platonically deepened in a way that I've never experienced before. And I'm so incredibly grateful uh, to, to have a friend like him and to feel safe expressing myself in those ways in front of him. Um, and for him to be able to hold space for that and, and, and listen to me and, and vice versa, um, that's the magic. That's the, that's the shit that we live for. Um, and to be able to recognize that, yes, we, we have, you know, we crave that sort of intimacy in, in romance and sex and all those things, but man, there's something really, really powerful about finding those, that level of depth and friendship and safety in, in, in men and friendship too. Yeah. And how can, sorry, I had apparently I had more than one question. How can women better support 
men. Mm. And because we, we kind of talked about that in relation to sexual fantasies, but what can women do to better support men? So I think this is a really good question because um, I, I think it is important to acknowledge some potential limitations or, or resistance or challenge that women would have with this because of the fact that there are many women who, whilst they may be, you know, attracted to men and romantically, you know, sort of call, call towards, you know, men in relationship, um, many women are also victims of uh, suffering as a result of abuse by men. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to always start from an acknowledgement of your own trauma and pain and experience with men. However, if you are able to cultivate the compassion and space to, to hold space for, for men and understand and listen to our journeys and our experiences as men, yeah, listen into those podcast conversations, follow, do exactly what I've just said that men need to do. But women, do it for men, do it for, men, you know, um, listen into the conversations that men are having. Listen to, uh, you know, men's coaches, uh, you know, men who work in, uh, you know, in, in this space, in, in cultivating healthy masculinity and, and helping men heal. Um, I think you're, are you friends with Traver? I Trevor sure Barnes? am. He's a good friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love like, Traver. <laughs> you know, his, his, his work, I follow Traver for, for a couple of years, like, People like him, people like Connor Beaton, um, you know, man's awesome too. Yeah. Connor's great. Yeah. There are so many great, great men. Um, Stephanos, I can't remember his surname, but he does yes. a lot of great stuff Stephanos around. Stephanos is um, amazing. There are there are loads of these guys, and you can listen into them as well. Um, again, this is this is not all one way. And and to any women who are interested in understanding men, like thank you. Thank you for listening to us as well, because we like we we as part of our healing like we need to be heard and we need to it needs to be that like reciprocal mutual investment in in our in collectively healing yes yes oh my gosh what a beautiful way to wrap up james Mm. where can everybody find you connect with you reach out to you uh yeah instagram at the compassionate man that's me well, you have the podcast too. And I know it's on a little bit of a hiatus right now, but you've got some, mm-hmm. some things coming down the line that are in the works too. So is it, is it the honest bloke podcast? Yeah. So the honest bloke podcast that will be going through a rebrand, but there yep. are some, I think it's like 13 or 14 episodes. I've had some great conversations in that space. Um, so feel free to go and check that out. Um, and yeah, just some other exciting bits coming up probably more towards the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to be before this podcast episode comes out. But um, yeah, feel free to come and check, you know, come and check me out. Come say hi. Send me a DM. If you want to ask me about sex parties or compassion or, uh, you know, masculinity, then feel free. I'm here for the, here for the conversation. <laughs> I love it. Okay. And just, I always wrap up with one last question. If you could give everyone listening, men, women, non-binary, any human who walks the globe, uh, advice on growing into the best possible version of themselves, what would it be? Oof. Take it slow. Oh, I like that answer. Listen and always, always come back to compassion. I know I'm going to go on about that word. And I know it's, it maybe becomes a bit of a buzzword. But You're talking to the right person about that because I, I don't shut up about compassion either. So <laughs> it's, um, it's just a, uh, if, if you hear that word and you maybe, I'm just like, what the, why the fuck are they, they? Why do they keep going on about it? Why does that word just keep coming up? 
you can uh, compassion focused therapy is something that I, I explored last year and it became the um, yeah, again, it became the catalyst and the kind of um, the ignition for me to like really dive into understanding what it meant. And you wouldn't believe how often the way that we speak to ourselves comes from a really negative, really quite harmful place. Our inner critics are really, really loud, but those are voices that we think are us but they are just learned responses and learned narratives. And when I really, truly started to understand compassion, um, it allowed me to explore and understand and heal parts of myself that I really never, never would have given myself the platform or the space to, to do so. But compassion is the lens, compassion is the perspective, compassion is the healing modality in itself. So just be kind, be compassionate to yourself. That's so beautiful. And it reminds me what just went through my head was that that saying, which is true, but other people can only meet you as much as you've met yourself and vice versa. And, and if you can show those deeper parts of your self-compassion, you will not only be able to extend that to others to really see them in their full humanness, but also to allow yourself to be seen that way too. Yeah, yeah. sure beautiful. Thank you so much, James. I appreciate you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Back at you. It's been wonderful being here. And having me on. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. It means the absolute world to me. And I'm so grateful for any references in the episode and all show notes. Be sure to jump over to room to grow podcast.com. And if this episode touched your heart, it would mean so much if you would take a quick second to hit subscribe, write a review and share on social media or with someone who really needs to hear today's message. It makes such a difference to keep this podcast going so I can continue to bring you amazing content and absolutely incredible guests. Be sure to tag me over on Instagram at Emily Goff Coach so that I can thank you in real time for listening and connect with you. We're back every Tuesday and Thursday with new episodes and I'm looking forward to growing with you.